You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. I'm excited to kick off our annual uh, series that we do in the summertime so in the book of Psalms, but before I do, I want to introduce myself. I do see lots of new faces, so my name is Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown, and just want to welcome you if you're visiting with us, especially, you know, like pretty, pretty bold to come out here on a, on a holiday weekend by yourself and visit, so we're glad that you've uh, joined us this morning and trust that you've already been greeted. Our hope is that you would experience God's love for you this morning. Um, Over the last five years, we've actually been doing this thing called the Psalms of Summer, a series during the summer where we'll look at several different psalms. And so we've done that over the last five years, and I'm excited that I get to kick it off. And we've got five Sundays in July, so we're going to hit five more psalms. If you're not familiar with the psalms, it's kind of a book like right in the middle of your Bible. There's five uh, books in the Bible that are actually called the poetry or the wisdom parts of, of the scriptures. And so we've been looking at one of these, and there's 150 of them, so we've got a long way to go. We could do this for many summers to go. We've got a list of all the ones that we've taught from. Those are forbidden to teach from. You've got to start with a new one. And today I'm excited to look at one of my favorites in Psalm uh, 116. But before we do, I want to try to get you guys to get something through your head because it's something that I really, really believe, and I think the Psalm's going to point to it, and that's that there's a Psalm for every season. I really believe that. There's a Psalm for every season. So I'm going to actually make you repeat that with me. Ready? So there's a Psalm for every season. Just, Just one more time, hear me. There's a Psalm for every season. I really do believe that to be true, and I've seen it true in my life. And one of the things that I encourage everyone to do, especially if you're going through a hard time, is to find a psalm. Like, like read through the psalms and find one that says, yes, this is, this is where my heart is right now. Because one of the cool things about the psalms, it's kind of like you're, you're peeking into someone else's journal. Kind of not that creepy, but it's like that. Like you're, you're looking into prayers, looking at thoughts, looking at struggles, confessions, weeping, crying, praises that someone has recorded as they're relating to God and talking about what's happening in their lives and all around them. And it's so fun to look at these poetic pieces, and there's so many of them and so many range of emotions that I really do believe there's a psalm for every season. And so one of the practices that I've tried to have is have like a psalm of every season, like one that for a period of time I'm just clinging to it. And sometimes that could be like a couple months because there's just something short going on in my life, and sometimes it can be like a really long period. And like I've had a psalm for a long season. I actually have one for this season, this, this season I'm going through right now. I call it the COVID season. Yeah, it's been kind of a long season. And so I've had to look through the Psalms. There was one that stood out to me pretty early on in COVID, not right at the start, but several months in that I said, oh man, I think, I think this is my Psalm for this season. It means it's one that I'm going to keep repeating to myself, going to, looking to, praying back, putting my hope in, asking God to answer it. I thought I'd read it for you. It's from Psalm 66, just this portion of it. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through the fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Feel that? I can say, yeah, this has been a pretty good testing and and refining period during COVID. It's been very difficult. And my hope has been this last sentence of this to constantly pray like, okay, God, we're going through this, but I'm praying that you're going to bring us to a place of abundance. Test us. Get us through the fire. Get us through the water and bring us to this place of abundance. That's been my prayer for probably about a year and a half right now. It's a psalm that I'm still clinging to, and I'm still holding on to it, but I, I feel like I'm on the verge of letting it go and finding another psalm for a season because I'm starting to experience some of this abundance. Everything that Jeff just said, 
the abundance from Midtown, particularly with this place that we now have to worship, the abundance of new partners that we've named last week and are going to name some more this week, the abundance of visitors and new faces that I see here this morning, beyond just the numbers, it's the, the spiritual growth and the development of this new vision of it in Austin as it is in heaven that developed during this time of COVID. And there's a real sense that, that maybe I'm at the end of this being my psalm of the season. I'm really praying uh, that it would be so. But what I encourage you to do is I want to encourage you this morning to do the same to think through something that's going on in your life and then make yourself have a psalm for the season, something that you cling to and you keep praying and trusting in. Because what happens is when you get to the back end of it and you see God come through and answer to your prayers, what it does is it develops you a testimony. It gives you a testimony where now you can point back to that period of your life and say, that was it, I remember that was a psalm that I clung to and this is how God came through for me. And then you have a testimony that you can share with others and not only share with others, you can actually share it to yourself because guess what? Later in life, you're gonna need another psalm for the season. And then you can look back at that one and say, oh yeah, I remember when God did that. And it's gonna instill confidence in you that God will still come through for you. And that's actually what we're gonna get to see in Psalm 116. Psalm 116 is someone describing a terrible time that they went through and how they cried out to God for him to save them, and he did. And he's looking back at that testimony and giving glory to God for how God had come through. I don't know if he had a psalm that he was praying, but trust to just to understand that whoever this was had something that they were waiting on God for and God came through and delivered, and then it was a testimony. I love this psalm because actually Psalm 116 was my psalm of another season. It was my psalm of summer of 2000. So 22 years ago, this was the psalm for that season. I'm gonna tell you a bit of that story midway through the sermon here, but this was the psalm of a season 22 years ago for me. I will say on the onset before we look at the psalm, <coughs> excuse me, this will be a little bit shorter sermon, so you might be happy about that, might not, I don't know what it is, but we are closing up a little bit early because we, it's going to be real fun at the end of service, particularly the, those of you who are visiting don't know this, but at the end of service, we often do like a quarterly update, just kind of like, here's where the church is, here's how we're doing, here's some things we have going forward, and then we're going to share a meal and have a cookout outside afterward, and so it will be a little bit shorter, but we're going to have fun looking at this psalm that I think is really, really meaningful, you know, for me, was a psalm of a season for me. This psalm's kind of interesting because it starts with the conclusion at the start. You know, some of, usually the way that we tell a story, we would say like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and now here's what I believe. Or this happened, this happened, this happened, and here's what's, here's what's true. But this one's kind of opposite. Sometimes the Hebrew writers would flip it around, and so he starts with his grand conclusion and then's gonna get back into his story as to why he has this conclusion. So let's look at the, let's look at the end, the end, which is really at the start. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. So right here, the conclusion is the author says that, that I love the Lord and I'm gonna keep praying to him. Why? Because he's answered my prayer. I love God because he heard my prayer and he answered it. And not only do I just love God because he does that, that's gonna make me keep wanting to pray more and more and more and continue to trust him. This is the conclusion of how I've got out of this jam that we're gonna talk about here in a minute. His conclusion is, man, I love God. Man, I want to keep praying because he's been faithful and he's answered my prayer. This idea, the wording there that says, because he's turned his ear to me, it's really better translated like he bent his ear to me. The psalmist is reflecting on like, like here I am just down here on earth and there's a God that, what? What did you have to say? What's going on? Like a good mother or father would bend down to their toddler to listen to them, to hear, to say, hey, what's going on, buddy? Tell me what you're feeling. What's going on with you? What do you need? That's the way that God's turning his ear. That's the way he sees God and what he's done in his life. And so what that does for him is it gives him a greater expression of love for God because he believes that God knows him, heard him, 
is intimate with him and answers his prayer. He not only concludes that, but he concludes now that God has done this. This is gonna make me pray all the rest of my life. You see that there? I will call on him as long as I live. The rest of my life, the next time I'm in a jam, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna trust, and I'm gonna believe, we'll see here in a moment, in the goodness of God because of what he's done. So that is his conclusion. His conclusion from the start is that he loves God and he's gonna keep praying because God's been faithful to answer his prayer. That's the conclusion. Now let's get to what was actually going on in his life and you'll see how dire his situation was. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. You can see very clearly he was in both physical and emotional distress, this idea of the, the cords of death were entangling me, and I, I really thought I was going to die, like the anguish of the grave was pressing upon me. I thought it was over, and my emotions were so overrun that I was full of distress and sorrow. I was scared and about to die, and so I just cried out a very simple prayer, Lord, save me, and then he reflects on what God has done for him. There are actually some scholars who believe that these portion of, of these psalms right here were written by King Hezekiah. You can read about him earlier in the Old Testament. And Hezekiah, actually, he had the cords of death around him. Like God had told him he's going to die. And he was fell ill, got very, very ill. And then he starts praying. He says, God, give me more time. And then Isaiah, in speaking with the Lord, hears from the Lord to go tell Hezekiah, Hezekiah, I've heard your prayer, and I'm going to give you 15 more years to live. Amazing. And he does. He gets 15 more years. So this could have been Hezekiah's prayer. This really could be his psalm that he's actually giving a testimony of his life. We don't really know, but whether it is or whether it isn't, it's someone in a very dire situation just like that. Uh, This week, uh, Brenda's uncle Kendall turned 80. Uh, He had a big family birthday party for his 80th birthday on Wednesday where more than 100 people attended. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't get to go, but we received his invitation. I thought I wanted to read to you what the start of his invitation said. This is what his invitation said that he sent to all the family. I'm so thankful to send out this invitation. After 10 years of undesirable health, I praise God for the strength and peace he's given me. In 2012, I was told I'd probably have two years to live, but God had other plans. Praise God. See, Kendall had like an aggressive form of cancer that spread to his blood, uh, his blood marrow, his lymph nodes, his liver, his spleen, and his skin. Sorry, I shouldn't have looked at Brenda. Uh, He was given just two years to live. But as he testified, God has other plans. And then what, how did he end his invitation? Praise God. He's looking back at a testimony of his life and how God had come through. And he was at this place where literally the cords of death were around him. And he cried out, God, save me. And God saved him. And now he's got this testimony. And he testifies to these hundred people at his birthday, a psalm very much like this. Like, the cords of death were around me. I prayed, God, save me. So now I've got 10 more years or more. And what did he do? You know what that does for Kendall? It does exactly what it did for the psalmist. It makes him say, I love the Lord. He heard my prayer. I'm going to keep praying because he's a God who hears and he listens. Like that's what's being experienced in this psalm as he's telling his story. And because God saved him, his faith in God grew too, the psalmist. And he was able to say something very powerful in this very next verse. And it's the verse for me that was my psalm of summer. It was the whole psalm. But this was the verse for me back in the summer of 2000. He was able to say this because of what he'd witnessed and the testimony he'd experienced. Verse seven, return to rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Return to your rest, or the NIV version that I memorized to him was, be at rest, O my soul, once more, for the Lord has been good to you. 
So this was a verse that was pinned to my wall in my, in my little apartment that I had just right over here. I used to walk to this church on Sunday mornings, but every time I had this little verse printed right there on my wall so that every time I would walk by it, I'd pray it and say, be at rest, O my soul. And I had to keep praying it over myself because it was a time when I didn't really believe that God was good. I knew that he was, but I just didn't believe it, and I had to keep praying it and praying it and clinging to it until there could reach a point where God could soften my heart to truly believe it. In that period of my life, I was kind of questioning God's goodness, uh, my, you know, kind of the proverbial question. I didn't really have questions like about the strong tenets of my faith and my beliefs, but I had a question about the character of God when I saw suffering in the world. But to be real honest, it really wasn't about suffering in the world. It was really about my personal suffering. That's what was making me question God. In fact, uh, I decided, because I was you know, such a man of integrity, for right or wrong, when I would sit right over by that section over there, which is usually where I would sit for worship uh, back at Evie Free, I decided there were some songs I wasn't going to sing, because if I couldn't sing them, meet them, I didn't want to sing them. I felt like I was, you know, I had to be a man of integrity. Right or wrong, that's what I did. So if the song was about the cross, I'd sing it. If the song was like, help me, I'd sing it. If the song was like, God loves you, I'd say silent. Because just as, I don't know. I don't know if you do, God. Thankfully, at that time, I was meeting with a 70-year-old mentor. I'd meet with him every Friday morning, Bill Fulton, uh, who since passed during the COVID periods. But what a, what a great part of my life he was during those years. And we were actually studying the Psalms together. We'd sit down, his little bachelor guy, and we had this little bitty table in this little apartment, and we'd sit down at this table and read the Psalms together. And so many of the Psalms, you know, point to God's goodness and God's love. And one time I was, I guess, just in this phase of, the, of life where I was still questioning, and I must have actually maybe verbalized or either non-verbally expressed some pushback to Bill trying to tell me about God's love. And he looked at me now and said, Justin, darn it, every time I speak about God's love, you try to burst my bubble. And I just wept just like a fountain. It was just like, oh my gosh, like you're right. And that made me realize, man, I need some help. And I went and got a counselor because I needed to have someone else in my life that could speak to me and help me get to really what was the bottom of my unbelief. I just didn't know really what the bottom of my unbelief was. And so thankfully through Bill's help, the help of this wonderful counselor, I would say the help of authors, uh, John Eldridge and Philip Yancey, the help of very good, godly and patient, gracious friends. And with the help of my psalm of summer, reading this and praying over it constantly, I was able to get to a place where I could say, at least in my version, be at rest, O my soul, once more, for God has been good to you. And I believed it. Now, it didn't take a week. It took months and months. This expression, you know, when he's kind of telling his story here and then he pauses and he like speaks to his soul, this is actually pretty common in the Psalms. We read this in the Psalms, we actually sang about it in our first song that we sang, like Psalm 42 and 43, y'all might know, the author says, why are you so downcast, all my soul? Put your hope in God. Or Psalm 62 says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Or the Psalm that we just sang from Psalm 103, praise the Lord, all my soul. It's, it's pretty common in the scriptures, particularly as you read the Psalms, to speak to your soul. It's like trying to get a hold of your soul and say, come on. Come with me. And that's what you see really in this passage. If you were to look back, and we're going to keep reading here, but you've got this guy in turmoil giving a testimony. And as he's giving a testimony, he's saying, you know what I did when I was in trouble? I prayed. Another thing that I do when I'm in trouble that I'm kind of giving you an example of right now, I look it back at a time when God has answered my prayer. And another thing I do when I'm in trouble is actually preach to my soul. I try to get myself to believe it. Man, when you do those things, when you pray and you call it to God and you remember what he's done before, and when you preach to your own soul, you can... Be at rest once more, oh my soul. He's going to pick back up on his own story here after preaching to his soul in verse 8. He says, for you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. 
I trusted in the Lord when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. Again, he's remembering how God saved him from death and from tears and his feet from stumbling. And he's saying, even when I was afflicted, even when there were men that were against me, I still trusted in God. I'm gonna pause for a second here because I wanna come back to this verse because Paul actually uh, quotes it when he writes to the Corinthian church. And so I wanna come back and look at maybe how Paul interpreted this or maybe Paul was even experiencing this psalm looking back at it in his life. So we'll pause there for a minute. What I wanna get to next is how the psalm kind of concludes when the psalmist asks, now that God's been so good to me, what should I do? What should I do in response to his goodness? That's what he says here in verse 12. And if you were to look at, if you do have your Bible open, verses 13 and 14 are actually repeated almost word for word in verses 17 and 18. So he's repeating this twice. Well, when we look at the first one, what shall I say? Or what shall I return, the, how, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I'll lift up the cup of my salvation. I'll call on the name of the Lord and I'll fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So he asked himself, according to all God's goodness, the ways God answered, his pr- answered my prayer and brought me safe, how do I repay God? What do I do? And notice too, now this time he's not necessarily looking at just one instance. He says, all of God's goodness to me. How should I respond? Not just to this one time that he answered prayer, but all of his goodness to me. Well, he says three ways. Worship, I'll lift up my cup of salvation. Pray, I'll call on the name of the Lord. And obey, I'll fulfill my vows. Two times he says this. I'm gonna worship by lifting up my cup. I'm gonna pray by calling on the name of the Lord. I'm gonna fulfill my vows. Lifting up the cup of salvation could probably mean a couple different things. It could have been like a drink offering, which, which was something that the Hebrew people would have had to offer while they were offering a burnt offering. So it could be like, this is my worship in the temple. Or it could be the cup that's demonstrated that they would take while they were doing the Passover meal together. It symbolizes that I'm just gonna worship God. I'm gonna give him my all. Give him my attention. Second thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna keep praying, just like his very first summary statement. Because God answered my prayer, I'm gonna keep calling on him. That's how I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna pray even more. And third, he says he's gonna fulfill his vows. I think he means by that, that now that he's experienced God's goodness in such a way that he wants to do something for the Lord, he wants to be God's servant, he wants to fulfill all that God has for him. He's now known God's goodness. So yeah, we can actually trust that everything that God says to do is for his good because he's experienced it. So he's more readily and eager to obey God. So when we, prof- when we experience this profound goodness of God expressed through answered prayers, and deliverance, whether physical and certainly spiritual deliverance in our salvation, what we're gonna do is we're gonna be filled with a love for God. And that love for God's gonna make us wanna lift our hands in worship. It's gonna make us wanna bend on our knees and pray. And it's going to make us use our hands to go and serve and do all that God would have us do. That's what he's experiencing. And that's how he is choosing to apply it to his own life when he thinks back at God's goodness and how he answered his prayer. Let me turn us to a bit of application before we go to one final verse. It's actually the most confusing verse in the psalm, but I think it'll be a good way to point us uh, to communion together. But I know we're all here in different places. Like some of you might be where the Psalm 116 guy is right now. Like, yes, the cords of death are entangling me. I feel the anguish of the grave. Yes, I have, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this stress and sorrow. But whether you're there right now or you're not, you're going to be sometime. Sometime you will be. So whether you're there or not, I just want to encourage you to do a couple things as modeled to us and as even told to us to do in reference to the scripture. First would be to pray. What did he do? Like he called out. Like that's the first thing you do when you're in this place of distress and you're overcome by sorrows, whether emotionally or physically, pray. Like call out to God. 
Your words don't matter. There's no magic potion. There's no magic words. All he said was, Lord, save me. That can be your prayer, like, deliver me. Get me out of this. God hears you. He does bend his ear toward you. So first, just, just commit to talk to God and ask him to be the one to come through for you and deliver you. Second, I think you need to do is you need to remember what he's already done. Like, this has given us a great testimony. And one of the things that happens when you're in that place of distress is when you actually remember what God's done. Okay, I've been here before. <laughs> this is what God's done in the past. Okay, now I'm going to pray with even more confidence that he'll deliver me again. Remembering what God has done helps you grow in your faith to pray with greater faith and confidence that God's going to be good to you. And third, like I already said, I think you need to preach to your soul. I couldn't recommend highly enough, like getting a psalm for a season. It doesn't have to be a psalm. You could find another scripture, whatever scripture comes to mind. But when you're walking through your Bible and you're reading and you're spending your time with God, and there's one verse that sticks out that you say, oh, wow, that's for me for where I'm at right now, whether it be a psalm or anything else. Like, write it down. Keep it. Let it be the one that you use to preach to your soul to keep telling yourself. And maybe you'll be like me and you'll have to keep doing it, keep doing it, and get other kinds of help till you can finally believe it. But find something to hope in like I was hoping in back then to be at rest once my soul to believe that God had been good to me, like I'm hoping in now that God would bring us through the fire and the water to the time of abundance, the place of abundance. I'd like you to think right now like one prayer that you'd like to see God answer. Maybe it was already there, super easy. Maybe you want to think about it, maybe during communion, during this last set of worship, you can think about it, see. What is it right now that I want to see God come through, where I need God, where I'm crying out, Lord, save me, and commit to do those things. Pray about it. Remember past answers. Preach to your soul. Find a psalm. Find a scripture that's going to be where you put your hope. Now, I believe that God will answer your prayers, <clears throat> but this is the thing that I had to learn when I read this psalm, and this is the thing that a lot of the counseling helped me out with, was even if God doesn't, he's still good. Even if he doesn't, he's still good. And I believe that might be part of why this very strange verse is here. In verse 15, I believe it is. Very difficult verse in this passage because in the middle of this passage that's speaking about God's deliverance from death, you get this strange verse right in the middle that says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. I did a little study on this this week and biblical scholars have really had trouble with this verse. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, why is it here in the context of God delivering him and that we got this verse about death? We're, I thought we're talking about being delivered from death. Why is it precious in his sight too? To be honest, I'm not 100% certain why it's there, what it means, but this is one thing I know to believe to be true, that when God does call his faithful servants home, when he does answer, does not answer their prayer to be saved, that their death is very precious to him because he's calling his sons and daughters to their eternal home to spend eternity in the glory of Christ. And that's precious in God's sight. It may seem strange to us, but it's precious in God's sight. And so while we rejoice in the extra 10 years that our Uncle Kendall has had, we know there's gonna be one day when that prayer isn't answered. We know there's gonna be one day when that prayer isn't answered for us, but for those who put their faith in Christ, we can rest in this verse that knows that even if God doesn't, he's still good. In fact, he's going to be so good that he's going to deliver us to our eternal home. This is where I think Paul might have been thinking, possibly thinking, when he actually quoted Psalm 116 when he was writing the first Corinthians. When he was writing the Corinthians in chapter 4, he, t he tells the story about how difficult his missionary journeys had been, all the stuff that he had suffered through, all the pain and anguish. You may have uh, recognized this passage. It was called the, the jars of clay passage where he says, we feel like we're like broken little jars of clay. 
There's kind of a famous, famous sentence in there where he says, we're hard-pressed, cru- but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And then he goes on to describe that his life was, he said, like carrying the death of Jesus in his body. I wonder if Paul might have been reflecting on Psalm 116, thinking, yeah, I can relate to this guy. This is my prayer, save me. But even if you don't, you're still good. Because in the very next verse, he actually quotes from the psalm. We'll look at it here in 2 Corinthians 4. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And because we know the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us to be with Jesus and, pre- and present, uh, present us with you to himself. And a few verses later, for our light and momentary trouble is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He kind of uses a shorthand here. You got to remember too, and I'll mention this in a moment, that these were some of the psalms that were sung like whenever they would go to the uh, three times a year when they'd take these religious festivals, these are the psalms that people would reflect on, all the people. And so they're probably very familiar with Psalm 116. And so he kind of does a little shorthand version of it when he says, I believe, therefore have spoken. What he's quoting there is when the psalm that we looked at today and its actual wording for us is I trusted in the Lord when I said I'm greatly afflicted. What he's saying, I believe, therefore I've spoken, and I believe, I still believe that God is good in the midst of all that we're going through right here. I believe, even if I'm afflicted, I believe. Even if all men are liars, I believe. And Paul knew all people were out to get him, and he's, he's reflecting, I, I believe, and thinking, I still believe that God is good. And especially for Paul compared to the psalmist, because the psalmist lived on the other side of the resurrection. And for Paul, his hope in God's goodness wasn't just an answered prayer. His hope in God's goodness was that Jesus had been provided for him, that his eternity was sure, and he knew that God would call him, as he says here, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Like, he knew that God was good because he had sent Jesus. He knew that God was good because his eternity was sure, and even if God didn't answer his prayers while he was on his missionary journey, he knew that deliverance was around the corner, and that would be the best thing. The best thing that's better than our answered prayer is the prayer that isn't answered when God calls us to be home with him forever, which is why it's precious in his sight is the death of his faithful servants. This is really what helped me the most when I looked at all the things that I took in, and there was a bunch of things that helped me believe again that God was good, but the thing that stood out the most was the fact that Jesus would come to earth and suffer all the things that I felt like I was suffering, and even more, ultimately, going to die on a cross. And that God was good even in the worst of circumstances, that Jesus' death itself was the greatest good of all time. So God is good, even in the darkness. Precious in the sight is his death of his saints. These verses, or these chapters here, Psalm 113 to 118, were what some people called the Egyptian Hillel Psalms. They were psalms that would be read, recited, or even sung as they were making their way to these festivals, like I told you. And some thought, some scholars think that what they would do before the Passover meal is they would read Psalm 113 and 114, then they'd have the Passover meal, and after the Passover meal, they would read the rest of these psalms, including Psalm 116. Look at what it says when, when Matthew records what happened right after the Passover meal. He says, but when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You know what that means? Can't say with certainty, but it's very possible that Jesus, on the night that he knew he was going to be betrayed, was with his disciples and either sung or recited Psalm 116. Can you imagine Jesus reading the psalm of deliverance 
being delivered from death, yet knowing what was going to happen to him that night, and still calling out for deliverance, trusting that God was good. It's amazing when we think about it that way. And he knew that precious in God's sight was the death of his faithful servants. Jesus' lack of deliverance from death made a way for all of us to be delivered from eternal death. And Jesus' deliverance from death through the resurrection has delivered for us eternal life. Jesus may have been reflecting on the song. I'm going to ask our communion uh, folks to go ahead and begin passing out the elements. And I want us to reflect on the psalm as we take communion, thinking that this may very well have been a psalm that, that Jesus was thinking on, singing even, on the night that he was betrayed. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Thank you.